want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 tonight. You know, it's healing time. Yes, it is. Not only for the church, but for the body of Christ and really for the world. Uh, the subject of divine healing needs to be taught and preached a whole bunch. Uh, if you've been to any hospital lately, maybe you've been to an appointment at Kaiser or one of the other HMOs, one thing you can count on for sure is it's difficult finding a parking place. I mean, the parking lots are chuck full. What does that tell you? That tells us that there are people that are hurting. And that they, many of them are going to the only source that they know that they can get help. I'm just saying it's time for the body of Christ to be saturated with the subject of divine healing. It's time for us. Amen. It's time for you. It's time for this church. It's time for the body of Christ to get so saturated. I don't know if you've ever heard of a gentleman by the name of E.W. Kenyon, but uh, it was said of E.W. Kenyon that 50% of his message was were on the subject of divine healing. And they, it was said of E.W. Kenyon, if you wanted to die old and healthy, go to his church. You want to die old and healthy, not just old, but healthy, go to E.W. Kenyon's church. Well, let's notice what Jesus said about hearing tonight. Notice with me in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18. Father, thank you so much for this word that we have tonight. Your presence is so real in this place. We thank you that the very atmosphere is charged with your glory. We magnify you tonight and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what Jesus said. He said, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Now I want you to notice there's two people here tonight, two categories of people. The first, those that have taken heed to what they have heard, and as a result, it shall be given to them. And then there are those that were very disconnected from what they have heard. They didn't really value how they heard, Perhaps it was a case sarah sarah attitude, and as a result, that which had been available to them was taken from them. Is it important how we hear when we come to church? Is it important how we hear when we open our Bibles and read the Word? There is a connection, and how you hear. And what the result of it would be. We've been working on this subject, hear and be healed. So many times folks want to receive without hearing anything. Now Luke chapter 5, notice with me in verse 1. And, uh, and in verse 15, we're going to look at those two verses. And it came to pass... That as the people pressed upon him to be healed. No, they pressed upon him to hear 
the word of God as he stood by, stood by the lake Genesaret. And then dropping down to verse 15, it says, But so much the more there went a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So as we have said in yesterweek, they didn't just come to be healed, they first came to hear. And remember, take heed how you hear. We will get faith and we will get stronger in faith for healing by hearing the word of God. Amen. Because faith comes that way. I like what Dad Hagen says in his teaching, Hear and Be Healed from his God's Medicine series. He said it this way, Hear not and be healed not. Hear not and be healed not. Here's what he said. I was listening to him today. He said that if he could get his congregation to hear. Now, he pastored for 12 years. He, he, he you know, later went on into the field ministry and teacher and prophet and so forth and different phases of his ministry. But he pastored for 12 years. And he said, if I could get the people to hear, to hear long enough, I could get them healed 100% of the time. That's a pretty good rate. But the problem with most people is they want to hear one time. Or they want to come to a healing service one time, get hands laid on them. And if it doesn't happen right away, well, there's just nothing to that. But Dad said this. He said, if the people in my church would give me the same opportunity they gave to the doctor. He just told them, if you will give me the same opportunity that you will give a doctor, it won't cost you a dime to be healed. Now, doctors aren't against us, they're for us. But doctors are not our master and doctors are not our Lord. They're fighting a battle on natural grounds. We're fighting a battle or winning a battle on supernatural grounds. You put the two together and you have faith in God, He can flow through what He wants to flow through. Amen. Amen. But doctor's appointments, people hear from their doctor and they say, okay, come on, Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., Person goes at 10 a.m. And then they say, well, come on back next Monday at 11 a.m. And they obey. See, they're hearing. They're hearing the word of the doctor. And they have confidence in that because they're showing up. And then they say, well, you need to come back next Friday and then the following Tuesday and the following Thursday for the next five weeks. And they're hearing that instruction and they're obeying that instruction, and they're spending a lot of time doing what their doctor tells them to do. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I believe that we should give the great physician, hallelujah, more time than what we've been giving him. Amen. And so I understand that hearing and laying their hands on the sick is not the only way that people can recover. But it is the primary way, especially 
for those of you who have been in the Word for decades. There becomes a responsibility to take this Word, believe this Word, declare this Word, and act on this Word, and have exactly what the Word provides for you. Amen? Well, somebody says, well, now I'm in a hurry to be healed. Well, you better be in a hurry to hear. (laughs) Because in the Word of God, we see repeatedly that hearing comes first. Now notice with me in verse 16. In verse 16. Praise the Lord. It says, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness, and he prayed. And in verse 17 it says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was... What was he doing? What are you hearing when someone is teaching? You're hearing words. You suppose Jesus' sermons were full of faith? (laughs) Glory to God. Now notice with me that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, basically religious people, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So they were coming. And the power of the Lord was what? The power of the Lord was present to heal them, but what preceded the power that was present to heal them was teaching. Amen? There's something about teaching under the anointing that accommodates the power to be present to heal. Oh, hallelujah. Say it me, God's will is for all to be healed. Is it possible, though, for his power to be present to heal and no one get healed? Is it possible for his power to be present to save and no one get saved? Now mark this down. Just because something didn't happen doesn't mean it wasn't his will. We'll say that again. Just because something didn't happen does not mean that it wasn't his will. God's placed on the inside of every man and every woman, every young boy, every young girl, the ability to choose. You see, we can choose to believe and we can choose to respond or we can choose to believe not and not to respond. But oh, thank God I'm looking at a group of believers here tonight. I'm looking, hallelujah, I'm looking at a group of first responders. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God, taking everything God's got. How am I going to be able to take it? Well, God's given you faith, and it's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So you've got the faith that takes, you've got the faith that believes, and you've got the faith that receives on the inside of you. Oh, somebody shout amen. We are believers. And believers are receivers. Now, right here in the midst of this group of people, they weren't, by and large, the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, they weren't coming by to be healed. They were coming by to catch him at something. They, they were coming by to, 
to, to frame him or to say something about him. They didn't like the master. They hated him. But one guy, though, one guy did get healed that day. I said one guy did get healed. Hallelujah. Now notice this. Let's look at this one guy in verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, the house was packed. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Man, that, you got to like that. These boys had some roof-ripping faith. How do we know they had faith? Well, Jesus said, and it says in verse 20, And when he saw their faith, he saw their action. And he said unto them, Man, your sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Reason is not the way to respond to the anointing. Reason and intellectualism will cause the anointing to dissipate for you. But notice it says, they reason and they said, who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. In other words, I am the one who can do both. Now notice verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He spoke to the sick of the palsy. I say, everyone, I said, I say. He's speaking the word. He didn't even lay hands on him. He spoke the word over him. He said, arise, take up your couch and go into your house. Well, are you ready to shout with me? Let's read verse 25, and let's do some good praising right now. Ready, read. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house. <laughs> oh, man. I bet you he's glad he didn't reason his four crazy friends out of putting them through the roof. I bet you he's glad he said yes and amen. I will hear what he says. I will heed what he says. And I'm going to go home walking and leaping and praising God. You watch it in days ahead. People coming in like that and just hearing the anointed word. And the presence of the Lord envelop them. And that which was in their life will no longer be a part of their life. And that which is crippled and lame shall no longer be crippled and lame. For the Lord is in moving in this day and in this hour. He's moving with his glory and with his power. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's mix faith with that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, the rest of the crowd, they, they weren't there to hear. They weren't there to be healed. So what did they do? They pushed healing away. But that man received healing and went all the way home rejoicing. Amen. Now notice in Luke chapter 6. Let's keep tracking this through. Luke the 6th chapter now in verse 17. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you Lord. Glory to God. 
Nothing's too big for our God. Lung cancer's not too big for our God. Hallelujah. In Luke 6, 17, it says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples, and a great multitude, here's again, a great multitude, a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. You know, devils... (laughs) They got to flee because of the anointing. I mean, that word was so anointed and so powerful that the place was just filled with the glory of God and the devil just had to leave. And Jesus didn't even have to command him to leave. Power was there. Now notice verse 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him For there went virtue or healing power out of him, and what did he do? He healed them all. Them all who? Them all that came to hear. Them all of them multitudes that came to hear and to be healed, he healed them all. This is the way that Jesus manifests himself. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter. And notice with me in verse 14. You know, Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. And if Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost, it'd probably be a good idea for us to get full. And be a good idea for us to stay full. Amen. Amen. Now notice this in verse 14. This was after that he was tempted of the devil over there in the wilderness. This was after the enemy came and told him to turn the stones into bread. And Jesus said it is written. And this was after, you know, the enemy tempted him to quit commit suicide. And Jesus said it is written, thou shalt not, the tempt, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And then the Bible says the, the, the devil left him for a, another season, for a more, another opportunity. And so this is right after that. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 14 it says, And Jesus returned in what? He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout the region round about. How did Jesus get famous? Jesus got famous because of what happened in his ministry. And what happened in his ministry, by and large, was a result of the people responding to what they had heard by faith. Now notice, in the next verse it says, and he taught. What did he do? He taught. It's teaching good. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He taught, they heard. The first thing he did was to teach. Now you don't need to turn there, but let me just remind you of the master's ministry. In, uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Say it with me, Jesus taught. 
He not only taught, but he was a good preacher too. In Matthew 9, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing. The teaching and the preaching preceded the healing. Amen. That's why we're going to start a healing school here. Amen. So people can hear on a regular basis. We may just stay on this subject of healing until Jesus comes back on Wednesday night. I don't know. But there is so much in the Word, and there's so much to hear, and there's so much to learn. He says, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And in Matthew 9.35, again, it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching. What did he preach? Thank God he didn't preach the Reader's Digest. Thank God he didn't have three points in a poem. Thank God he wasn't trying to wax poetic. No, Jesus came in raw power and he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the gospel is good news and in the kingdom there is healing, it is available, and it is for everyone who will receive. Raise your hands up. I say I'm a believer and I'm a receiver. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So we see that he put teaching and he put preaching first. And then in Luke 4, 16, it says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. I like the fact that Jesus went to synagogue. I like the fact that he went to church. It was customary for him to be in church. There's been more than one time that Brenda and I looked at each other on Sunday afternoon and said, man, I'm glad we have church on Sunday night. I don't know what in the world we'd do on Sunday night. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can watch a little television, but you know, you can only watch so much TV until you just get bored out of your skull. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody says, well, you have to be there. You're the preacher. I'm sure glad I am. <laughs> But I never look at it like I have to be there. I look at it like I get to be there. And there's a lot of times Sunday night where I'm really, really tired from Sunday morning. But I park my body right there in that chair. And I open my heart to receive a word from heaven. Says, so, wow, well, you're just a traditionalist, you know. Everybody else, you know, they're not having church on Sunday night. And most of them aren't having miracles either. Well, we, we, we stopped having church on Sunday night because people don't come. Well, boo-hoo-hoo. -hoo. This is an advertisement, by the way, for you to be in church on Sunday night. <laughs> Amen. It's good. It's all good. Praise the Lord. 
Well, that's just think that's the way things are going in the body of Christ. Who said so? I'm not going to let any church growth specialist run my church. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let any consultant to tell me, you know, you need to tone down the Holy Spirit a little bit. You ought not to pray in tongues publicly. Just keep that for the back room. No, thank God. It's customary for us to shout. <laughs> it's, our, it's our custom to do a little dancing. Amen? It's our custom to run. Now, that doesn't mean you run and you shout and you dance and you, you know, do that every time you come to service. But when there's just shout in the house, you better shout. When there's dance in the house, you better learn to dance. No, we're not going to teach you how to dance. We're not going to teach you how to speak in tongues. I don't know why I got off on that. Anyway, anyway say it with me. It was his custom. It was customary for Jesus to go to church. Somebody says Sabbath day, Pastor. It didn't say Sabbath night. Ah, shut up. And he stood up for to read. <laughs> Verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, notice, what did he do? He did what? You got your ears on? God's word is life unto those that Jesus found the place. Don't you know he could have declared it and just said it, but he found the place. Where it was written. It's important to know what is written. And it's awesome to be able to declare what is written. But it's also important for us to find where it is written. Notice with me. He found the place where it was written in verse 18. And he he declared this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Was he bold about it? Did you know that you can be bold about it too? When you got the Spirit of the Lord in you, you can boldly declare, hey, the Spirit of God is in me. And when you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can boldly declare, not only that, but the Holy Ghost is upon me. Amen. Amen. People are desperate in this day and in this hour, and they're looking for people who will flow in Holy Ghost power. No, I'm not encouraging you to be braggadocious, but I am encouraging you to be bold. The Spirit of the Lord's in me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me, Jesus said, to do what? There's the word. Preach the gospel to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor no more. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What's good news to a person that's got a broken heart? God can take your heart and make it whole again. He said, I'm anointed to preach this. I'm anointed to preach deliverance to the captives. What's good news to a person that is bound by drugs and alcohol and all sorts of addictions? The good news is you can be free. That's the gospel. And 
I've been anointed to preach the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty all those that have been bruised. Oh, my goodness. There's so many bruised people. There's so many hurting people. And I want so badly for our church to be a place where the bruised can be healed. I want so badly for our church to be a place where the cripple can walk again. And what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is not just going to come by a few people laying hands on them. Every person in this auditorium ought to get their spirit man charged up to be a conduit of healing power wherever you are at. I believe that we're going to see a day where these altars are just going to be cram-packed with hurting people. And I believe we're going to have teams of people be able to minister health and healing to them. Oh, hallelujah. A church that will minister to the sick. A church that will minister to hurting people is a church where people will flock to. And so then, instead of us always getting hands laid on us, why don't we get ready to lay hands on others? Mm-mm-mm. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, sat down, and all of the eyes that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I know how that feels. <laughs> Anybody who's ever preached the word... <laughs> once or a million times or a thousand times or whatever to me, you know how that feels. Because not everyone has ears to hear. So what I've decided to do in my life is not center in on those that don't have ears to hear, but center in on those that do have ears to hear. And if it's just one in a hundred, I'm going to zone in right on you. (laughs) I'm going to zone right in on you, Charles. Because you got ears to hear. But this is the Wednesday night crew. Everyone got ears to hear. (laughs) Say it with me. I got some ears here. I got some ears to hear. (laughs) They were were fastened on him. (laughs) And he didn't back down. Because remember he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord, when he is upon you, will enable you to not back down. And he began to say unto them, this day, this day, this day, well, Pastor Mark, there's a revival coming, there's a revival coming. I know there's a revival coming, but what about the revival that we're in right now? Oh, there's a great harvest out there coming. There's a, the harvest is already here, folks. I mean, what more do we need? Now, I realize that the temperature is going to get turned up. I understand that. I know that there's some appointed times. I understand that. But, man, I am not waiting for the troubling of the water. I'm ready to go trouble the water. 
Amen. Anyway, that's fairly good preaching anyhow. (laughs) And he began to say unto them, right now, boys, this day, today, now is the day of your deliverance. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious word which proceeded out of his mouth. Oh my, that was a wonderful sermon. (laughs) I had somebody say that to me Sunday morning. The, The first service didn't go as good as the second service. You know, when you're preaching a new message, sometimes you've got to preach it four or five times before you really hit it. And so sometimes in the first service, I don't hit it on all cylinders. I may hit it 60, 70%. Usually, by the grace of God, I can hit it higher than that. But Sunday morning, I didn't quite connect throughout the whole message. And <laughs> this brother, he's an, he's an on-fire evangelist. <laughs> and he says, good sermon, pastor. I'm thinking, yeah, right. I'm tired of preaching sermons. I want a message. So you need to pray for your pastor that God would can give me continued utterance. Nice sermon. Nice. Awesome. Thank you, George. Oh, hallelujah. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceedeth out of his mouth. And they said, Is this, is not this Vera's son? Is not this, what's your dad's name, Tony? Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the day of Elisha, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, and when great famine was throughout the, all the land. But unto none of them was Elisha sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, got up and shouted for joy. No, they got ticked. (laughs) Who does this Pastor Tom Hernandez think he is? I knew he grew up in the Mission District of San Francisco and didn't have anything. Who does he think he is up there playing the piano and preaching and dancing and rejoicing? (laughs) He knows who he is. So the people in the synagogue, they got filled with wrath, anger. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Verse 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. (laughs) Hallelujah. The song can't touch this wasn't written yet, but they could not touch him. Glory to God. 
I think Brenda and I in Jerusalem were there, and we were on that hill. I mean, it was a dangerous hill. But the Bible says that he went right through the midst of them. Why? Because he was so anointed and so filled with the presence of God that they literally could not touch him. Oh, hallelujah. Now notice, here's the, here's the, the closer on this one. And he went and licked his wounds and called his therapist <laughs> because he'd been so persecuted. You know, they, they just don't appreciate me. It's like the pastor from Ramah called Doug Jones, and, or he maybe called Brother Moore when he was working there. And he says, I'm leaving this church. He says, you are. Why are you leaving the church? He said, these people just don't appreciate me. He said, now, wait a minute. I thought that you heard from God, and he told you to go over there and pastor that church. Well, he did, but I'm leaving. They just don't appreciate me. Well, why? Why would you say that? He said, because for Christmas, they gave me a 12 by 5 picture of Jesus. Well, pictures of Jesus are good, right? But every pastor, you know, likes a little something extra for Christmas. <laughs> you know, a cookie or something. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a faith hint. Praise the Lord. So he didn't call his therapist. He didn't lick his wounds. Look at this. In verse 31, this is the kind of tenacity you've got to have in your Christian walk. And he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and he went and taught them on the Sabbath day. He just went right back to it. Now look at Mark chapter 6. Mark the 6th chapter. We're heading somewhere here, folks. I'm not sure where, but we're heading there. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5. Say it with me. I'm hearing, and I'm being healed, or I am healed by the power of God. Mark 6, verse 5 says, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he healed them. Vines says... That the few sick folk is literally people that had minor ailments. Minor ailments. And in verse 6 it says, And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages doing what? Teaching. I think we've built our case tonight. That's so important to hear the word of God taught. I listened to my spiritual father today. There's something about hearing his voice that just resonates in my spirit. Lots of times when I've been standing on the word, I will take that little CD of God's medicine, healing scriptures, and I will just let it minister to me. Now listen, everyone look at me. When Jesus said that his, when the word says that his word is health or medicine to all your flesh, that's not just healing scriptures. The whole word, 
No word from God. Come on. No word from God is void of power. So I sit in my office today, and I just put the book of 2 Corinthians on, and I just let Alexander Scorby read me the whole book. I'm, I'm maintaining an atmosphere of the word. Hallelujah. So what did Jesus do? He just kept at it. He kept teaching. He kept preaching. Let's close in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, if you would, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, how many years? And had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better, but she got worse, right? But when she heard, she must have heard. She must have heard something about Jesus. She must have heard some things that he was doing. Or maybe she heard some things that he said. Faith came. She came in the press behind and she touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I'm going to be whole. And right away the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Oh, glory to God. What if she stayed home that day? What if she just stayed in bed like a lot of Christians do on Sunday morning? And I'm not talking about just in this place. I'm talking about worldwide. Bunch of weak fugitives is what they are. We love them with the love of the Lord. But they are a bunch of weak, puny fugitives. Up there in bed licking their wounds. Ooh, I better stop now. Well, I used to go to that church, but they just wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. I asked Pastor Tom if I could sing a special. (laughs) I sent him a CD. And I haven't heard back from him. Get a clue. You are not called to record. You're called to sing. But maybe not publicly. Or you know what? I'm a prophet. Or I'm a prophetess. And they they don't recognize my gift here. Who said I have to recognize your gift? Your gift will make room for you. I don't need to make room for your gift. Your gift will make room for you. Self-proclaimed prophets and self-proclaimed prophetesses does not necessarily mean they are one. You can put any label on a can you want to, but what's on the inside of it is what matters. And people going around and prophesying and telling you how awesome you are and how that you're just beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made and and you're just so awesome, man. God's got an awesome plan for your life and He's going to use you to reach the multitude. You're so awesome. 
Where did we get to that point where we've diluted the message to our awesomeness and forgot about what are we awesome for? What are we the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus for? What are we fearfully and wonderfully made for? What have we been anointed for? So that we can give personal prophecies out? No. We're anointed to do the will of our good, good Father. I'm not taking back a word of it tonight. Thank you, Lord. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I'm going to be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She didn't stay home. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. I can get some awesome things at home, but I get more awesome things in a corporate setting. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, Do you see the multitude thronging thee? And how do you say, Who touched me? He, looking round about to see that it had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him, Glory to God. She had a testimony meeting. And in verse 34, read it with me. Come on, guys. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. She got healed because she heard something. And she also got healed because she got out of the house. And she came in the press. I want to encourage you to keep pressing, saints. Amen. Even though the majority may not, you continue to press. You continue to move. You continue to believe. You continue to respond. And when the dust settles, you'll be standing as more than a conqueror. Let's stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord.